Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 59. Just a little life update. I did move into my brand new house, so I have been kind of behind on my blog, but soon I hope to get back to posting consistently. Anyways, today I will be talking about the murder of Kumba Sese. My sources for today's episode are an episode of American Detective, Season 2, Episode 4, titled Radio Silence, abc13.com, monstersandcritics.com, houstontexas.gov, legal.com, fox26houston.com, houstonchronicle.com, and click2houston.com. As usual, all of my sources will be linked in today's show notes. Kumba Sese was just 31 years old when she died. She was a second-generation immigrant as her parents had immigrated from Sierra de Leone, Africa. Kumba had been working as a model and was the host of Style Radio, a local internet radio show. Kumba would interview people on controversial topics and would present local hip-hop artists to the community. She was described as a good person with good energy. She didn't like to see people upset and was always there for the people closest to her. On July 3, 2016, a young boy saw what he thought was a person sleeping in a ditch across from the Jones Future Academy, a school in South Houston. The young boy ran back to get his father, who then called 911 when there was no response. Detectives Brian Harris and Officer Michael Perez of the Houston PD arrived on the scene. They realized that the body was of a young woman. She had no ID on her, but it was believed that she had been shot either once or several times in the head. There was what the police called transfer blood at the scene. It suggested that the body had been transferred to that location by a vehicle. Luckily, they were right across from a school, which quickly sent over the surveillance footage. In the video, a car headlight can be seen in the area where the body had been found. There is movement near the passenger side of the vehicle. A person can be seen lifting something. They move towards the ditch and then drive off. The next day, July 4th, during the autopsy, the medical examiner discovered that the wound to the woman's head was not clean. It looked like burn particles around the wound. On July 5th, Kumba was identified by her fingerprints. In Texas, once you get a driver's license, your fingerprints are put into the system. The police now had the devastating task of notifying Kumba's family. They were obviously in shock, and Kumba's mom said she last saw her daughter on Saturday, July 2nd. Kumba had been planning to go to a party that night. Officer Perez asked Kumba's family if she had been having issues with anyone. They said she did have an ex-boyfriend that had been bitter about their breakup. The relationship had also gone bad because he claimed that Kumba owed him money. Before the police left, the family asked the police if they had found Kumba's car, a blue Volkswagen. The police couldn't tell from the surveillance footage, but they now believed that the killer had been driving Kumba's car. In the surveillance, the car looked small, bubble-shaped, and dark in color. On July 6th, a bolo to be be on the lookout was put out for her car. Officer Perez also interviewed the ex-boyfriend. They confronted him about the so-called money problem. He said it was not that big of an issue and that Cuba had her job and her own money. He also had an alibi and was ruled out. Near Texas Southern University, there was a report of a car fire. It was a blue Volkswagen and the license plate was run and it came back to belonging to Cuba. The police went to the vehicle lot building. The car had serious damage to it, but it hadn't been completely destroyed. The killer had tried to burn the car with the windows rolled up. Inside the car, the police found blood on the driver's side door. The police went to Texas Southern University to check for surveillance footage. 
On the surveillance footage, the Volkswagen can be seen at 2.07 a.m. on July 4th. The car then returned on July 5th, followed by a Buick LeSabre. A figure can be seen looking for something in the car. Then there is a flash and a burst of flames. The individual then runs away. A man named Carlton contacted the police. He was a concert promoter and said he had found an ID badge of one of his party guests. That party guest was Kumba, and it was the same party she had been at on the southeast side of town. There was blood on one of the corners of the ID badge. The police now had a theory. Kumba had attended the party, was confronted in the parking lot, killed, and then taken in her own vehicle to the ditch where she had been found. The detectives believed Kumba had known her killer. The police went to Style Radio. They spoke to the general manager, Donald Hilliard. Donald spoke very highly of Kumba. He believed she would have been a, had a very large following one day. He said she had the voice and the personality. Donald also revealed that Kumba had been dating someone who had co-hosted with her. His name was Leroy Stutes. Leroy became jealous when Kumba had let another person co-host with her. Leroy had caused a scene and Donald fired him. The police ran a background check on Leroy Stutes, and they were surprised with what they found. In 1992, Leroy had committed a murder. He had killed a man. He was convicted and sentenced to 45 years, but was released after serving almost 18. The police didn't have any evidence against Leroy, but they decided to see if Leroy had any family members that owned a Buick LeSabre, and his daughter Latrice did. On July 5th, Detective Harris received a call from Leroy's cousin. He said he had been at his sister's home on July 2nd when Leroy showed up. He said Leroy had scratches on his face and said he needed new clothes. Leroy's clothes had blood on them and as well as on his boots. Leroy's cousin was still in possession of Leroy's boots. The police went to collect them and sure enough, they were positive for blood. The police also spoke to Latrice. They asked her if she was close to her dad and she said no. They asked Latrice if her dad was capable of hurting someone, especially of hurting Kumba. Latrice said yes, and that he and Kumba had fought often. The police asked her about Kumba's car. Latrice said her dad had asked her to take him somewhere, and he got out of the car, but she didn't see what he had done. Latrice was placed into custody, but Leroy was still on the run, and an arrest warrant was put out for his arrest. The police had spoken to Kumba's friend, Latasha White. Latasha told them that Leroy had lied to Kumba about his past and that she didn't find out everything until the days leading up to her death. Latasha also revealed that Kumba believed that Leroy was gay and had, she had been planning to break up with him. A week later, Leroy was arrested. He had been with his mother and was arrested without incident. During his interrogation, Leroy denied everything. What is over there? Hey, Brian. This is Mike. You did something really, really bad, and you know that I've been doing this game a long time, so I'm not going to waste your time. Talking to the person I do believe that you're responsible for Kumba's death. What happened? on that weekend of July 4th weekend. I keep those scratches on the face. Me and my sister was coming in, in the house in the dark and I figured I'd get my face on the stool. Detective Harris continued laying out the entire case to Leroy, who showed no emotion and denied it over and over. 
Detective Harris said that Leroy believed he was smarter than everyone. The police believed that on July 2nd, Kumba met with Leroy to break it off with him. They met in the parking lot of the party she was attending. Leroy grabbed her and her purse. They then got into a physical fight leading to her ID falling off and her scratching Leroy's face. Leroy then had a gun. He forced her inside the car and shot her in the head. He also then dragged Kumba's body to the ditch, drove to his cousin's house, contacted his daughter, and burned the car. Leroy pleaded not guilty. At trial, Leroy's cousin testified that Leroy had admitted to him that he killed Kumba. Here's a brief transcript of his testimony. Question. That girl that was talked about in the news reports, did the defendant tell you what happened to her? Answer. She was murdered. Question. Did he say who did it? Answer. Yes. Question. What did he say? Answer. He said he'd done it. Question. He said he killed her? Answer. Yes. Leroy was found guilty and sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. A killer, a murderer, a monster. That's what he is. A monster. I just want to say something to Leroy. I hope he rot in hell. I hope that they don't give him the death penalty. I want him to live with what he has done for the rest of his life. Those were such powerful words from Kumba's friend, Latasha. And this is just a horrible case. Leroy should have been in prison for life already for murdering another human being. But instead, he was able to convince Kumba that he was a good person. He convinced a lot of people that he was a good person. And he lied to Kumba probably over and over. And she finally was done with it when she learned the truth. Kumba should still be here today, but her life was taken by a complete monster. And my heart breaks for her loved ones. My book recommendation for this week is It's News to Me by R.G. Belsky, who I actually had the pleasure of interviewing a few months earlier. Summary, Dash dreamed she wanted to run for president one day. Now she's dead at 20. When Riley Hunt, a beautiful, smart, popular student at Easton College in Manhattan, is brutally murdered, it becomes a big story for TV newswoman Claire Carlson. After days of intense media coverage, a suspect is caught, a troubled Afghanistan war veteran with a history of violent and unstable behavior. The suspect's mother, however, comes to Claire with new evidence that might prove her son's innocence. As Claire digs deeper into the puzzling case, she learns new information. Riley had complained about being stalked in the days before her murder. She was romantically involved with two different men, the son of a top police official and the son of a prominent underworld boss. And she had posted her picture on an escort services website offering paid dates with wealthy men. Soon, Claire becomes convinced that Riley Hunt's death is more than just a simple murder case and that more lives, including her own, are now in danger until she uncovers the truth. I love RG's writing. I obviously love the topic of true crime, mysteries, and thrillers. They have a suspect in custody, but there may be evidence that he's innocent. A 20-year-old is dead and then possibly a man whose innocence life hangs in the balance. I really like the characters, the plot, and everything that is revealed in the book. I give this book a 9 out of 10, and I would 100% interview RG again and any other author who might be interested. Please subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, buy me a coffee, rate, review, and recommend any cases or books you've loved lately. I really appreciate your support, and I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation. And remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.